Fantastic. Thank you. you guys have made it. Improvements. Yeah, depending on what it sells for, we we bought it for two ninety. We're listing it for three eighty. Yeah, and I think we owe like two sixty, maybe. Um, but yeah, so we bought it right before the everything lockdown. Mm-hmm. So like right, and then right, and so I think a lot of that jump is just that jump that happened in the that couple year. Well, I mean, obviously that's what it is, but. And are you looking for like a four bedroom? Yeah. Yeah. I'm manually turning off my notifications. Ooh, now. All right. Not going to mess with. Do not disturb. Just turning them off. All right. Okay. What's up, playboy? <laughs> Um, We're doing a short one today, right? Trying. Hello, everyone. This is going to be... Hi, doggy. A good test for me because you you don't... Okie dokie. ...realize <clears throat> how hard it is to talk with a microphone in front of your mouth. Yep. And it uh-huh. just takes so much time to formulate your thoughts and feel comfortable talking into a microphone. And this is kind of a solo shot for me a little bit. I'm going to be ranting yeah. a little bit today. So it's going to be a test. Bye-bye. This could be my last podcast. <laughs> if this goes bye poorly, bye. I could just walk away. Um, do you find yourself, like, when there's a Tesla behind you, do you feel like a cop is, is following you? No. Like that kind of anxiety? Oh, no. Okay. There are so many Teslas around That's here. That's what I'm saying. There's I've, so I've, many. Yeah. it's And one of them was clearly on some type of auto mm. pilot because mm-hmm. he was going so slow. And then the car just like sped up super fast and then like v- pulled over into my lane and then over to the turn lane. So clearly he was like, I need to get over and the car. Bye-bye. Uh, yeah, exactly. I thought he was going to go bye-bye <laughs> right over the median. <laughs> Um, so first things first, uh, huh. inscription. Yeah. I need to know the, this riddle, the, the, the riddle of your reaction, right? I predicted that you would not finish the game mm-hmm. that once the game yep. opens up beyond its first kind of movement and you understood like what the nature of the game is going to be that you were going to be like, I'm not doing nope. this. I'm done. That like me. Yeah. And that's why I wrote to you today. And unless you misunderstood, you made, you, you've led me to believe that you did not have that reaction. Yeah. So ins- inscription came out on Xbox. You played it uh, on PC a year, last year or a couple years ago when it came out on PC mm-hmm. and you played it all the way through mm-hmm. and you liked it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I had kind of heard, I think, mixed things mm-hmm. because I'm not going to do it. Oh. <laughs> because there is a, maturity. a pretty big maturity. turn after the first act, uh-huh. right? 
Um, so I, I've beaten it. I've played it all the way through. Okay. I got to that second act, and you you were right in that it turned me off, but mm-hmm. not for the reason that I, you thought it would have. I guess okay. I really hated just the whole art style of the second of one. the second part because it goes from this amazing Creepy. art style production design just like yeah the 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 atmosphere all of it is so engaging and so great and then you get this hard and then you get this kind of hard right turn into generic pixel pixel art and and then just like this very bland gameplay where it's kind of the card game but you're also like navigating around this you know nes level type of map yeah and it's so that was really disappointing um but i soldiered through and then it went to the third and then act. it went to the third act which is kind of a combination of the first two um, the thing gets interrupted midway through like you think you're going to do a full thing well you kind of do do a full thing and then it and, ends and well and then it kind of goes off the rails a little bit yeah there's the so the third act has a lot more tangents than the first act does mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's probably what kept me going mm-hmm. because the third, like I said, the third act is kind of a combination of the first two and that you go back. I guess the card game never really changes that much. Exactly. You're always kind of getting just like different variations on it, which is great. Really, really um, neat how they do that. But then you're also still having to just like navigate around this stupid world which is like, you know, yeah, whatever. Um, Did you then, watch all the video files? Yeah, and then you also have um, in between these acts um, almost, uh, what was the game called? Inscription? No, the, the card video, game? the movie game where you're putting the movie together. Yeah, what do you mean? What's it called? I don't what know. is the other game called from the guy who did her story? Oh, that made the movie game. You um, have say the you have those interstitials or like immortality. that immortality where you're watching movie clips. Except these movie clips are like a minute Short. long at the most, <laughs> and there's five of them at a time. Um, and you can watch them in any order, and they're interesting enough. Um. Yeah, I, I so at the end of the day, I liked it. Yeah, I, I, you know the it the that first act, and then I guess um, the best thing about it is once you finish it, it then opens up this challenge mode, mm-hmm. which is just the first act. You get to play through as much as you want, which yeah. is great. It's and fun. so that's what I'm doing now. The only issue I kind of have with that is. And this, I guess, I kind of feel like a turd for complaining about something like this. Mm. And there's, on one hand, I can appreciate it theoretically, 
but then when I when it happens to me, it practically in the game, I can't help but feel like ripped off. And it's it has uh, like a, this that solitaire element to it, where it's like you you can start a game that is unwinnable, right? Just from the start, yeah. There's just no way for you to win. Um, and so I like I said, that's part that's just kind of part of the game, like when it comes to solitaire. And so I I get that, and I can appreciate that. And the first act is kind of all about you have to lose. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you don't have to. I'm sure you can play through from the beginning and beat it. Um, but part of the story is that you lose. So, you know, I, I can appreciate that uh, n- narratively, I guess. Yeah, and, and there's enough going on. Like, did you do some of the hidden stuff in the cabin? Walk around and yes. solve some of yeah, the Yeah, I solved everything in the cabin. I think puzzles. I did. Uh, I solved all of the obvious stuff, at least. Mm-hmm. I think there's, I mean, depending on what you did, there's, there's a few, like I had to watch a video and be like, oh, to, to find some uh-huh. stuff. I tried to do as much as I could. And then went back yeah, and- no, I haven't gotten to the point yet where I'm, I'll get to a point where I think I'll get to a point to where I'm done playing it, but I'll be like, well, I'm, I gotta, gotta get all these achievements. Yeah. Um, but maybe I'll only do that for games that I really like playing. So yeah. this, I may just play a couple more hands and then be done with it i just because the second one is coming out soon um oh there's a sequel no i was gonna i don't know why i do that i should just tell you i'm switching subjects oh okay are you done talking about inscription (laughs) yes oh i the 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 merch for inscription they're selling cards like physical cards Mm -hmm. i was so tempted to just buy a pack like they say you can't play with them it's just like promotional Mm mm-hmm but they're like 10 bucks for a pack. And I was like, very close. Just being like, yeah, I'll give you yeah. guys 10 bucks just so I can have a pack of inscription cards. Um, <clears throat> yeah, there's apparently a bunch of like AR stuff with it too. Mm-hmm. So, well, I yeah, that's because those videos. Yeah. Um, I started playing Darkest Dungeon huh. again because uh-huh. they're coming out with Darkest Dungeon 2 soon. Right. And. That game is very, like, just one more run type game. Just one more, one more. Let me level up. Let me just do one more thing. Yeah. I'm convinced, and I've refused to, like, watch videos. I'm convinced that the game is unwinnable. (laughs) I don't think you can win it. Like, you don't think there's an end? I, I don't know that. I don't think it's possible. Again, I haven't looked up anybody. Maybe somebody's gotten very good at the game. Uh Uh-huh. I don't get like I've put a lot of hours into Darkest Dungeon back when it first came out, and I was like trying it out, got into it. Now it's on Game Pass. Yeah. So I downloaded it again, and I was showing it to Indy, and so Indy and I were were doing a run together. Where I'm kind of walking him through and whatever, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna fire back up. So yeah. I pulled up my old save, destroyed all my people in that. Started again. Yeah. And this time with all the clarity of everything I've done, and I I didn't even get close to as far as I got in the in the run that I had to abandon. And I'm like, yeah, this game's impossible. <laughs> yeah. I'm missing I'm missing something. I don't know what it is. Hey, look it up. Well, that's Go to the saying. subreddit I or something. I don't want to. I'm I'm still at that that stage where I feel like I should be able to figure this out. But 
but you'd be just be looking up like strategy stuff. I find myself doing that too. And with this, with inscription too, the, one of the things that I dis also disliked about the second act is it starts introducing all of these different elements with like the gems and energy bars mm -hmm, or whatever, mm -hmm. it, but it doesn't explain any of mm -mm. it. It just, it just starts happening, which is fine. Um, and so you kind of have to start figuring stuff out, but at the same time, you can kind of just keep playing the way you want to play. Exactly. And, then it, and then you get into the third act and it starts explaining all of those elements, but then you get so many cards that I was just like, I know I could go through this and, and probably make, make like an ultimate deck and just steamroll everything. But there's so many cards that I don't have the patience for it. And I just <laughs> autofill and go to the and next go, guy. Yeah. And it never really got so challenging exactly. that I had to do that. You know? Yeah, exactly. I think that's the, that's the key is that you beating the game is not dependent on you fully understanding and, and ingesting all the, you know, rules and nuances of the game. You can just power through it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Darkest Dungeon, I think the, the problem with Darkest Dungeon is it has that ran randomness element. Yeah. Where like sometimes you'll just, on the game that I started back up, one of my guys died in the tutorial. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and I've, I've played it so many times. I was like, yeah, I went back. I was like, there's nothing I could have done. There's, not, there's yeah. nothing I could have done. So it has that but you but you would think and i do think that the makers of the game built a strong enough game around that randomness mm -hmm. but again maybe they didn't maybe i'm like truly trying an impossible task and i just need to yeah. <laughs> watch a video and have somebody be like this game's impossible yeah. i've been playing it for 10 years i can't beat this thing you know yeah just do a youtube video like darkest dungeon tips or whatever yeah. And they'll give you a strategy, and there'll be some strategy like, oh, I'd never made that connection before. See, I, it, it makes me feel like it's it's almost like confronting your own stupidity in a very, like, clear way. Yeah. That I find a little intimidating. Mm -hmm. That it's going to be so obvious and stupid that I'm going to be like, something's wrong with me. Yeah. Well. I'm in my decline. Maybe. I'm in my decline years. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, that's Darkest Dungeon. Darkest Dungeon 2 looks cool. They've, I don't know that they've changed the gameplay as much as the look of it. They've they've put a lot of oh really resources into making. Yeah, it that seems like a weird sequel to me because that almost seems like it could be one of those indie games that just keeps going on and on and on because it's been out for years. Yeah. at this point, and people seven, are people are still. Play oh it's I didn't realize it's been that long I think so okay. well well they also did and they did this with Darkest Dungeon too they did like a early access yeah like that's when I first think I got into it so I think they're they they do like very slow rollout development yeah cycle so yeah I think it's been seven I could be wrong okie dokie mm-hmm um I never had sexual intercourse or anything close to it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Is that a segue? I, be I believe I, that is a segue. So I'm I watched. Come. <laughs> I watched two movies. Okay. Uh, really quickly, How to Blow Up a Pipeline is very you good. Blew it! 
before we move on from the uh, video games real quick, mm-hmm. I do want to say, because this is kind of a, a better tie-in than um, denying you've had sex and then talking about Poe's <laughs> afraid. But... Um, Whatever you say, you stupid loser. <laughs> there are... So I listened to some like professional, you know, critics talk about some games and it's just so interesting to me what games hit and what games don't, mm-hmm. especially with critics because I think critics engage in whatever element they're a critic of differently than just the normal connoisseur mm-hmm. or uh Yeah, than than the normal person, um, and I listened to some people, some professionals talk about Dredge, and I remember being like, "Oh, oh okay," this. and it was just like, it just felt like four people looking at each other, like, uh, I, mean, mm-hmm. I don't know, mm-hmm. but like Dead by Daylight is that the no Dead Island, Dead Island Two, Dead Island Two, mm-hmm. it's like, oh yeah, you know, yeah, it's dumb, mm-hmm. not that not that great, but I beat it or I'm all the way into it or whatever. Yeah. And it just like it, it's just interesting to me where I feel like Dredge has such a clear hook and such a clear vision of what it's trying to do. Mm-hmm. To hear people, especially critics, like bounce off of it, it can be hard. I think to just allow it, just to be like, "Hey, man, teach their own," and not get a little like, "Well, are you playing it correctly?" Mm-hmm. Wait, 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 wait! How far into it are you? <laughs> right. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I, wait, you didn't, you didn't do that. You didn't go there. Whatever. You know, what I mean, like, I, I found myself like hyper, like, like trying to focus in on. Well, what did they, what did they upgrade? Like, or what's right. their, what's their problem? If the yeah. problem is like, yeah, it's just kind of boring. I'm yeah, like, my ship is too slow. Like we talked about last week. Right. Yeah. I, I just, I that is the stuff that can be hard because you're like, well. I get it. I'm not saying that you can't have that experience, but that's kind of the point a little bit is mm-hmm. to start slow. Like, you know what I mean? Like there, there could be intentionality behind that. And then as a critic, it's like you guys have played way more games than, than mm-hmm. I've played. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it's just that weird feeling of like, it's not even my game. I don't care. And I like these people. I just want to hear what they what they have to say about this stuff. But and you're wrong. wrong. Yeah, but, but at the same time, <laughs> to be like, well, what's the disconnect here? Help me understand. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And, uh, and, and ultimately, I think we know what the answer is. And the answer is, especially critically, you do play so many games. Like, yeah. how many games are you inputting into your eyes and brain then to walk away and have a clear take on every single game that many, how much did you get? To, yeah. Two hours in between, you know, a 10 hour stretch of this game going into a five hour stretch of another game. Right. When I also wanted to be with my family, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, ultimately I, I get it. And, and I do like the idea that like podcasts and YouTube have allowed for these kind of like open aired thoughts. Like they don't, I'm not reading a review. I'm just listening to people that I enjoy hearing talk talk about something. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, yeah, when it's like Dredge, which I think is fantastic, uh, and just to hear it like 
literally like four people pass the ball to to each other and be like, yeah, I don't know. You want this? Yeah, you want I don't know. Yeah, yeah. you want that? <laughs> yeah, I think some of that is the the kind of the conversation about playing something wrong. And there's like a line between like how much wiggle room do you give somebody before like there's a line between maybe the game not being clear enough and you just being wrong, like playing it, like literally playing it wrong. Right. You know, and nobody ever wants to say like telling somebody you played it wrong is like a meme at this point. Yeah. But it can still happen. Yeah. Or, and like, or that, get good. Yeah. That's what happened when I played hollow Knight. And everyone loves Hollow Knight. And now that I'm removed from it, I can recognize how great of a game it was. My experience playing the game was Miserable. misery. Absolute misery. I hated it. And it was because I, I played it wrong. I skipped a huge section. And somehow, I don't even know how I did it. And ended up in like a, you areas, in <laughs> like areas of the game where I was nest. way underpowered. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then I finally get through all that after beating my head against the wall and then i find these like two sections from the beginning that i skip somehow and i just run through them like what happened how did i do how this to I myself yeah. and it completely ruined the experience for yeah. me yeah and and it's like but that too is one of the awesome things that you that you think again as a casual gamer like maybe we're more receptive to that stuff where mm -hmm. what I love about hollow Knight is the fact that like, there's no rails, like what, mm -hmm. a, what a great world design. Yeah. And you building out that map, that ownership of that game is so intense that the progression feels so more, so, so much more tangible mm -hmm. and real than a lot of other games. To the point that I don't replay a lot of games. I replayed Hollow Knight recently, and it's like I still just enjoyed every single second of it mm -hmm. and the progression and everything else. And it's deep enough to support. Like when I played the second time through, I was looking for character interactions and certain things that I'd heard about or seen previously that I didn't get to do, and I went and did them. And it's it's fantastic. But that openness can provide these opportunities for people to like have a terrible time mm -hmm. you know what i mean but the openness is kind of the you you, you have to take that risk mm -hmm. to have that feeling that it could give you and then i also understand from like it's like the guy do you remember the the critic who played cuphead and didn't realize that you could dash <laughs> yeah <and> they were just <laughs> jumping and it was like 15 minutes of them just yeah trying to jump up this thing getting more and more frustrating people are like right trigger yeah like, yeah you just gotta dash yeah um where it's like i'm very sympathetic to, to to that you know what i mean and and that person again has probably played more games than i can name you know and is probably better than me at most of them mm -hmm. they just had an off day and cuphead didn't explain it enough and it was frustrating and you know whatever yeah so it's like yeah i get that but but dredge with the same thing like yeah dredge just one example was somebody saying that they kept going out in a area and getting hit by a tentacle and how frustrating it was to try and like 
dredge <laughs> stuff while you're also getting constantly destroyed. All right. And the only thing I could think of is they're in the the the, the basin. Right. Yeah. Where, yeah, you need to go talk to the lady at the right. lighthouse, get the equipment to you're, distract it, yeah. and then you go <laughs> you're out. You're not supposed to be out there, period. Right. Yeah. Like, if you keep getting destroyed and that is something that continually happens, but you feel like that's part of the game and it's frustrating you to the point that you're like, I'm bouncing off this game, I just kind of feel like, don't you know that you're probably missing something? Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, that's so weird, too, because... That to and and we we talked about it. That was my first death, and up and I got to the point where I was like, I I wasn't sure if I could die, and then I go out there and this thing one shots me, and I wasn't like damaged at all. It just one shot me, and so to me that was a very clear s- s- sign of like, oh, I'm not supposed to be here, mm-hmm. or there's something else I should be doing. Um. Yeah, that's strange. I, yeah. I don't understand the line of thought. Uh, another thing that, that they voiced was the, the second island chain mm-hmm. that you progress to, which is just a lot of little pathways with mm-hmm. a big monster that's going in there. They're talking about like how frustrating it is to not have a recourse against that big monster. Like, yeah. You're just getting damaged, and it's frustrating. But on the one hand, I'm like, well, the damage is always small. Like I never right. lost something that I was like, well, that sucks. Like it's not like dead, dead souls, you know yeah. what I mean? Or even Elden Ring, you know what I mean? And then number two, the game's not about combat. Like mm-hmm. like the whole feeling they want to give you is like yeah. you're up against monsters bigger than you that you can't even fathom, and you're going insane, mm-hmm. pretty regular. Right. <laughs> you know, like that's kind of that's kind of built into it. You you shouldn't be able to be like, oh, I'm just going to drop a bomb on this thing, yeah. or you know, or scare it away. Like, yeah, you're you're the small fisherman in right. the big wide ocean, yeah. so you you should be scared of everything. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, the all that to lead into the fact that I watched Bo is Afraid, uh huh, a movie that we were going to see, and then I remember talking to you and being like, all right, Justin, number one. Don't bring your wife. Mm-hmm. Number two, get ready, because apparently this is a career killer for Ari Aster. It's indulgent. It's lo- It's almost three hours long. Mm-hmm. It. It's just going to be a fiasco. Mm-hmm. And that has that was, you know, what I read or heard right about it. But I've liked all of his films, and I was like I really want to see this uh, in theaters. So I went smaller theater uh, at AMC, but about 30 people in there. Oh, really? Yeah. Including a row of like eight teenagers uh-huh. <laughs> or like really young freshmen in college. Yeah. Kids, all guys. Uh-huh. One of them also on crutches, but using the crutches like – he didn't know what crutches were. Like it was so crazy uh-huh. the way he was walking with them. Like he wasn't, he didn't put Did he have a sh- cast on or anything. He, he just had crutches. He had like a, like a air boot. Uh-huh. It looked uh-huh. like, you know, but he was like walking and not, and he wasn't like giggling to them. He was struggling uh-huh. just to walk through. And then he like went up the far side of the stairs and then walked through all of his buddies 
and then sat on, and the noises he was making uh-huh. were crazy. I was like, what did he do? It, again, it could have been like Andy Kaufman-esque, like physical comedy, like a really layered, nuanced bit that yeah. he was doing. Right. <laughs> but I didn't get it. Anyway, they started making fart noises wow. in the trailers. Yeah, okay. And then as soon as the movie starts and the title card comes up, one does a fart noise again, and you can hear two of them like, like not being able to control themselves. Uh huh. And then a guy in front of them just turns around and goes, shut the fuck up. <laughs> and he said something after, like uh-huh. I couldn't catch what he said after, but he said it in such like a way that I, I felt it. Like, right. He delivered it perfectly. And yeah. he was clearly like, I'm not saying this again. And I don't have to tell you that yeah. I'm not. They were like, I didn't hear them <laughs> breathe after that. Yeah. The entire three hour movie, they were dead silent. And you knew they, they, they got scared. Right. All well, of them. Message received. <laughs> message received. Sir. Yes, sir. Uh, two of them uh, used the restroom at some point and were walking out behind me. And both of them to the guy behind me, they were like, Excuse me, sir. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> both of them like, very polite. Very yeah, nice. Yeah. Um, but uh, so that was nice. Do you think we would have done that? That kind of seems like just a shithead, a young shithead thing that you do. You know yeah, I mean? it, it, it's one of those things where I do have a, an idea. Like my rule is previews, chuckle it up. Yeah. Like do whatever you want. Uh, try to impress everybody around you. Right. You know, do a little stand up routine for everybody. Let us hear what you got. But as soon as the movie starts, like, stop. I think you and I, I think all of our friend group in college would have respected that unless the movie was bad. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that I guess that was kind of my, my point is there was a time, I mean, in college, yeah, if we're in college, if we're down in Florida, we're all seeing a movie together, 100%, everyone's joking around like that. And then at some point in your life, it just is not worth it anymore. Mm -hmm. And you just can't even imagine doing it, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I I, I am at the age where I was like, do I see myself being that guy? Mm -hmm. And I think I'm getting there. I think I have the look now. I've I've realized that Mm -hmm. at my job, like the kids who come see me, you're going to be the guy that tells somebody to shut up is what you're saying. Yeah. Well, the, the kids who see me at work, I realize like, oh, I look like a old man to them. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like to them, I'm like an authority figure. And it's mm-hmm. like, yes, sir. So I feel like I wouldn't have said that probably. I wouldn't have been that person when I was in my like 20s. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that you should be really. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you're 24 or whatever. Like, even if you want someone to be quiet behind you you don't have that standing yet. You don't have that social standing. (laughs) Yeah. But when you're, you have a white beard, you Uh know what I mean? And you look (laughs) like a dad of a teenager. Yeah. Then you can be the one who stands up and just authoritatively gets an entire row of teenagers to (laughs) shut the hell up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, okay. Movie. Let's talk about the movie first. How do you, how do you spell Bo? B E A U. Right. Okay. That's just for the, for my notes. 
that's that's for history. What? Um, All right. So yeah, and so I ended up not going. We just had a lot going on. Two things. Mm. Your description completely turned me off. That coupled with hearing that the movie's bad in some circles, but also I didn't like the trailer, and I was not impressed with the trailer. Um, so all those things together coupled with, you know, yeah, we've got to get this house listed. And so this past three days, we've just been busting ass to clean and paint and move stuff out. I was like, I can't do it. Move the dead bodies in the back. And then, yeah, and then it's like, and then you're like, let's go see it during the week. But it's so long that that's a half a day of work. (laughs) I have to take half a day off to go see it. Let's do it. You know what I mean? Tell me And I can't do that. Tell me the day. I mean, we are adults. We should be able. This is yeah. But I'm saying with work. I mean, I guess I could actually just take the time off. But again, you've earned it. Yeah, but let me you know. Let me be the first one to tell you, you've earned it. Yeah. So (laughs) prioritize yourself, especially after yeah this busy time in your life. You you deserve it. Yeah. After things settle down. Here's here's the thing. I'll jump to the to the big point. mm -hmm. It's worth it. It's totally worth it. It definitely, in terms of the experience, made me think of The Lighthouse, Mm -hmm. where The Lighthouse was one of the, um, was a situation where I was the one anticipating it. Mm -hmm. You somehow saw it before me because you used to be young and cool and you took (laughs) off of work early. And went and saw the lighthouse. <laughs> Did I saw yes. that by myself? You saw it by yourself because uh. I was like, "Hey, do you want to see the lighthouse this weekend?" You're like, "Yeah, it's great." And I was like, "What do you mean it's great?" You're like, "Yeah, I just went the other afternoon. It was playing uh-huh. at AMC, and I just I just went and saw it." <clears throat> and hmm. what between waiting for the lighthouse to come out and then seeing it, my interest definitely like took a turn. Because some of the reaction was, doesn't have a plot. What does it mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretend, you know, the same old tired, whatever. Yeah. And then I went and saw it with you and just what a great, what a fun time at the movies. Mm-hmm. What a picture. And uh, I loved it. And now I get, I get to return the favor. Okay. Hopefully, if you can squeeze, squeeze this in, because I don't think it's going to be in the theaters for very long. I think it's going to have a brief little push, mm-hmm. but I am literally down to watch it whenever. Okay. So I wanted to hopefully briefly, mm-hmm. again, this could be the end of my podcasting career. I'm, I'm attempting a very challenging podcasting uh, maneuver. You blew it! And I hopefully I won't. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, the other day I was just sitting there at work and in my head popped, suck my white ass. <laughs> and uh, I started laughing. I was like, um, so I wanted to talk about the reception first. Okay. That's one of the things I've been obsessing about. And it kind of goes back to dredge. Mm-hmm. I want to say, ultimately, this is not about right and wrong. This is not me saying there's a right way to watch a film or play a game or whatever. Mm-hmm. But... Here are some reactions that I had, and I wanted to walk through them with you really quickly uh, and then talk 
briefly about the about the movie. Talk to him. So this is just a first draft. I just kind of jumped in and wrote down some stuff. Okay. So I was hoping I'd have more time to go over this, and I didn't have more time. <laughs> so sure. Uh, let's see what let's see what happens. So uh, the critical reaction seems to struggle with the analysis. So I, I was reading. It made me think of A.O. Scott, who is leaving the right. film review, going back to book reviews. And he wrote an article basically saying, why am I leaving films? Uh-huh. And, you know, there's a number of things. and But one of them is he's like, fan culture sucks. Yeah. You know, and the amount of hate I get for not liking a Marvel movie or everything everywhere all at once is just not worth it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, and he kind of puts a lot of blame on people who want unchallenging films you know at the same time he then links to a few other articles where he's like peep critics have been saying film is dying since its invention and you can see like all these articles where it's like film is dead 1932 Mm -hmm. you know film is dead 1970 pauline kale wrote a cinema is dead and dying article in 1980 Mm -hmm. widely regarded at the tail end of like the golden year of mm. new Hollywood and great cinema. And she got to the end of the seventies and was like, yeah, this is a dying art. <laughs> right. And some of it, this is it. Yeah. And some of it goes back to the corporate interest behind film. And I get that, right. Anything that is dominated by corporate interest is going to be hollow mm-hmm. at some point. But, it made me think that I don't know that critics are necessarily the best ones to appreciate the films of their time because every modern film is saddled with the baggage of previous generations and us looking back on it and maybe not even understanding the context. Like I look back at seventies cinema I don't know what the hell was going on mm-hmm. culturally at the moment. I don't know what it right. felt like to go watch, you know, Godfather or Jaws or, you know, mm-hmm. um, any of the, I don't even know those are in the 70s, but the, the, the classic 70s films, right? New Hollywood stuff. I don't know what that felt like. Mm-hmm. Um, Easy Rider and all that. Uh, I just know like, oh, I watched the movies. Great. Yeah, wonderful. Um, so number one, it made me think that... Uh, I don't know that that critics who generally watched Bo's Afraid and walked away saying pretentious, blah, 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 blah. I heard people say, like, he's no Boonwell, you know? Who's that? Luis Boonwell. He was a surrealist filmmaker, um, friends with Salvador Dali, um, who apparently was a fascist. Did you know Dali was a fascist? Mm-hmm. Um, which doesn't make sense that Boonwell, who hated fascism, mm-hmm. uh, was friends. But anyway, he was a surrealist uh, filmmaker, one of the first filmmakers that got me into the Criterion Collection, and I went and read his autobiography. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. Like, I don't carefully watch Luis Boonwell. Um 
I've seen a lot of his movies. He has the famous, you know, the uh, silent film of the eyeball getting cut by the razor. Mm-hmm. That's that's Boonwell. Okay. Um, Wait a minute. I thought that was... I Wasn't that from Eyes Without a Face? Or am I thinking something else? No, Eyes Without a Face is a different, older horror movie. Yeah, okay. Um, but he made... Uh, like social satires. So the discreet, d- discreet charm of the bourgeoisie. Um, I feel like Eyes Without a Face does something with an eyeball, though. Maybe yeah. not. Unchin Andalo. Andalou. Which I think is referenced in that Pixie song. Okay. Um, Debaser. Mm-hmm. Anyway, all that to say... I don't feel like Boonwell is very, like, nuanced, you know? Yeah. Like, you, you watch his satire, his his films, and it it does feel like... I don't walk away going, well, that was purely just dream logic, and I don't know what anything meant. That was, like, a satire of the ruling class and religion and mm-hmm. the bourgeoisie and um and so anyway i when i hear critics discard modern filmmakers for being indulgent and pretentious and then pull up older filmmakers like boonwell and say like oh they're no boonwell or whatever yeah so i'd be like get get over yourselves right like i just feel like there's a chance that you'll look back at modern filmmakers today that get discounted and be like, oh, that was actually very good. You know, um, Under the Silver Lake is another good example. Mm-hmm. A film that I think critics panned, hated. I watched and I was like, this is kind of brilliant, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I, I think some of that too is, like you were saying with Jaws, and not knowing what that experience of seeing that is. Um, for me, like, I guess you're, when I think about that stuff, your initial thought is like, or, or, or they, or when they do like see it in the theater, right. They'll show old movies in the theater, Mm -hmm. but like part of what that's missing is the context of like everything that's come before it. Right. Like one of the things that makes Jaws so highly regarded is that there was nothing people have been watching movies for 30 years and they hadn't seen anything like that before. And I think um, I can't remember what we were talking about, but I know it's come up a couple times in the past few months where I've watched something where I get what they're going for. But it's like an older movie from the 90s or something. But the storytelling has not... The storytelling since then has evolved so Mm -hmm. much Mm -hmm. that this message that may have seemed like poignant and subversive or whatever when it came out, it now feels heavy-handed. Because as an audience and as filmmakers or storytellers or whatever we've evolved 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and culture has <clears throat> adapted and changed. Yeah. So I think that might maybe play a little bit to, to, uh, you know, this Luis Boonwell guy, how his stuff seems like, you know, when at the time, maybe it was, you know, uh, well, not maybe it was the first time people were seeing stuff like that. Yeah. It was, it was the birth of surrealism. Right. right? And, and whereas so, we have decades of that yeah. stuff. And so what you can't do. So, so then everything just gets compared to older surrealism. You go, oh, that's a, that's a rip off or whatever. It's yeah. Like, I don't know that that's a judgment on the, on what you're actually seeing. That's mm-hmm. a, that's a contextual argument anyway. So yeah, first my, my big takeaway is I wonder if critics have a blind eye to more modern films, sight and sound updates. their like hundred grace films of all time, every whatever. Mm-hmm. And they just did it this year, last year. And the big buzz was like, there were two movies from the last 10 years that made it on there and people were like, Oh, Mm-hmm. Does it belong there? Oh, but these are all time. And how do you know? And it's like, yeah, I understand. Like from a historical standpoint, you do need time to vet some of the art to determine its value. That is a valid, mm-hmm. you know, kind of piece of, you know, criticism. At least three years, some of us might say. There you go. That's sound like me. <laughs> um, and, and so I understand that, yeah, you, you watch a modern film and maybe you're immediately putting it into its box of, well, modern, let's, let me give that some time. I'm not going to use the M word. I'm not going to say masterpiece or whatever Mm -hmm. else. Whereas I, as the casual viewer can walk out and go like, well, I I never seen nothing like that. Mm -hmm. Like, holy cow. Right. Uh, It's the same thing with men, right? The Alex Mm -hmm. Garland film, which walking out, I was like, I've never seen anything like that. And I had a, I had a hoot. Right in the theater, I I loved watching the guy storm out, right, and people just be like, "What am I watching?" And I hadn't seen anything like that before. And then, uh, you know, looking back on the film, like, yeah, that's uh, I'll I'll bring my star rating down a little bit because mm-hmm. I was riding a high. I can see some of the 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 issues, but damn, if it wasn't a gr- a fun time, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Seen stuff I haven't seen. So the the next reaction that I wanted to mention is the Bo is afraid explained reaction. So I immediately, you know, I'm looking for, you know, some engagement, some discussion about it. So first I look at the critics and I see critics panning it. I'm like, okay, I just don't know that that you maybe are the best people to analyze modern films, mm-hmm. especially ones that are trying something wildly new mm-hmm. because critics have led me wrong about some of my favorite films like the lighthouse which got panned by a lot of people under the silver lake um bo's afraid but i feel like online there's this also push to like identify what what's the linear explanation of a film and if a film does not make clear linear sense that it is the fault of the film mm-hmm. or that's somehow a deficiency. If they can't make their 15 minute YouTube explainer video mm-hmm. and have everything just be like, see when he did this, this did this and that did that. Then you go like, and you know, this film, they don't even bother to explain this. And that's a problem. And it's like, I don't know that that's a problem necessarily, you know? Mm-hmm why is there this push to explain everything you know yeah 
why why is that now the 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 go to where I feel like even stuff that doesn't need to be explained is you can't get away from it, right? Mm-hmm. Dredge explained, mm-hmm. you know, um, swarm swarm explain bar the Barbie movie is gonna have a <laughs> explained, right. yeah, you know what I mean? And I just um, I don't I don't get it. Yeah, well, that's actually was one thing I was gonna ask is does the movie have like a I'm gonna get there. Like I like an understandable like I know what's happening from moment to moment. So I'm 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 going through the garden of <laughs> of reactions and then my reactions to those, uh-huh. and then get into the film. So hopefully okay. that will help. Yeah. Frame everything. So then, from YouTube, I then go into podcasting. So YouTube tends to be a little more immediate. Mm-hmm. People just. So let me just say one thing before before we move on. I think part of that has to do with like ego mm-hmm. and being willing to and uh, uh, if the, if your job is criticism, I guess you can't do this. But being but being willing and able to like watch something and then be like, yeah, I don't I don't know what I watched. I don't know what it was saying. But like you said like men, like I love I liked watching it. For me that was the green night. Mm-hmm. Like I liked watching the Green Knight. I f- I feel like I got like seventy percent of the movie. There was some stuff that I was not clear on. There was some stuff that I didn't understand until like the second the movie ended. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I liked watching it. And then afterwards, yeah, I came back and I looked into some other stuff and got some more context from it. Yeah, and <clears throat> not to say that inherently all these don't fall into an ecosystem of like healthy critical reaction or like a healthy ecosystem around a, around a, um, a movie or whatever. Mm -hmm. I definitely have gotten stuff out of like that swarmed explained videos. I just, if, if I could have my way, I just wouldn't call it explained, you know, that, that kind of push, what that signifies, I think is a, is a misleading notion. Sure. Um, it's like people saying I beat the game. Yeah. instead of i finished the game yeah. it's just semantics and yeah. it's just habit a lot of the time but right yeah. um so yeah if critics get to see it early i, I watch them that's my reaction then i go to youtube and i see just a bunch of like explainer videos and mm-hmm. people running into a, a point of being like oh, i don't know especially because yeah you're you either saw gone early screening because you're a youtube critic or you went and saw this day one, so you could be the first one to get your YouTube out, and you have no reference for this stuff. Mm-hmm. This is like you coming back and being like, I gotta get the clicks, and then just jumping into the movie. Um, you know, one of them that I watched, the guy's like, yeah, so I can only use footage from the trailer, but we're still gonna get this done, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, guy, maybe that's a sign that you need to just <laughs> yeah, right. not put this out yet, you yeah, know? give it a week. Give yeah. it a week, yeah. And then, of course, his explainer at the end just kind of falls into, uh, I think, think it could be you know right so then then i go to the podcast right and mm-hmm. in the podcast what i hear a lot is the wtf reaction which mm-hmm. i feel like if you have a podcast or youtube by the time you get on the microphone i feel like you should have something to say mm-hmm. if your youtube video or your reaction starts by us being like so justin Bo is afraid and then we pause and then I just go, yeah, man, I don't know, dude. I'm <laughs> right. just like, I'm, I'm like WTF. What a stupid message. Yeah, I just feel like, listen, you watched a movie. You know, you've lived 
your life. Yeah. To, to some extent mm-hmm. to get this, this far, you have a frame of reference for what you saw. Even if what you saw is kind of like surprising or out of left field, mm-hmm. there should be an ability to take some time and then out of that articulate an experience. Mm-hmm. But to then hear some people just kind of like WTF and then stall out in this kind of like, uh, I don't know, man, I don't know. And just not really push beyond the I don't knows. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm like, don't, Get on your podcast then. Like, give it some time. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Then, uh, this is this is also more of a semantic thing. Mm-hmm. Now for the individual takes that I have a problem with. Okay. Number one, he would rather make a three-hour incoherent film than go to therapy. You know, you see it like on like Letterbox. That's the snarky little, mm-hmm. and I know that that's a meme, mm-hmm. right? But like, I that is getting so tired, and I understand it's shorthand. I understand it's a meme. I understand that the person who writes that is not has no intention behind that, other than like I'm being part of a meme club. You know? Yeah, they're a reply guy, basically. But I also feel like if I wanted to turn that into, into an issue, which I do, because <laughs> sure. this is, this is our podcast Okey-dokey. and we can do and say what we want. I am going to say, and I, I don't know if I read a article or something, but they were, they're commenting that like therapy speak is really having an impact in like a lot of modern depictions of like mental health. And stuff mm-hmm. like that, where everyone is hyper focused on, on showing, the positive therapeutic, like impacts, <clears throat> on mental health in a positive way, mm-hmm. because you don't want to make therapy seem like a negative thing. You want to destigmatize it. Sure. So the idea of like putting forward in the conversation, hey, this character then went to therapy and got help, or this is. A, a, a example of like useful therapy. Right. You know, in, in art or film or whatever. Right. As opposed to someone having a bad therapy session. Yeah. Right. Somebody having a bad one or just having a character who's like, yeah, we're not interested in showing like healthy, like, men, you know, positive mental health. Yeah. This is going to be like a spiral <laughs> <Right>. into <laughs> darkness. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like, um, so I listened to Slow Slow Tie has a new album he released a few years ago, or uh-huh. year, weeks ago. And the first song is called Yum. And in it, he starts and he starts this kind of like panic attack that he's having. Mm-hmm. And then he goes through like what his therapist told him, like breathe, you know, and he starts doing his his breathing exercises and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then he like goes on this rant where he's like, that's not, that doesn't work. That's not <laughs> right. working. And yeah. I, I'm just as like off the rails and lost doing the breathing exercises or not doing the breathing exercise. Yeah. And I just remember hearing that and, and also having like, feel, feeling like, oh, well, that's, uh, I didn't expect it to go that, that way. Yeah. But also feeling, you know, like connecting with that message and being like, oh, that's an interesting message today 
because I think that that's the reality of any good therapist is going to tell you like therapy is not the answer, mm -hmm. you know, and a lot of therapy is dependent on the person going to therapy and accessing it and the therapist themselves. Right. You know, mm -hmm. it's not a uniform thing. It's not a scientific process that happens the same way every single time. Mm -hmm. And there are so many moving dynamics and so many issues being faced that, yeah, maybe sometimes therapy is the piece of a larger puzzle. And sometimes maybe making a film that's just bleak and yeah. a depiction of terrible mental health is the point and is good. You right. Know? I was going to say there's part of that is there, there has to be action afterwards, right? Like you can't just go to therapy and say, yeah, I went to therapy and that's the end of it, right? You then have to act on it and apply the, those thoughts and all that to your life, whatever. Maybe that's what the movie is, right? The person saying he, he'd rather do this instead of going to therapy. Maybe this is what he's doing because he went to therapy. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe this is the positive outcome of that. Yeah. And so just that dismissive attitude that I feel like is representative of how some people engage in art. And I think some people do. I, I think some people engage in art and as soon as there is a depiction of like poor mental health, not to leaving out the people who are triggered by stuff. I understand mm -hmm. that. And I'm all for it. Like prioritize your mental health, but I'm talking about the people who are creating an issue because of a perceived harm that a depiction could cause for another perceived person. That's not themselves. Mm -hmm. For those people, I want to be like, chill out, calm down. Mm -hmm. And maybe you don't understand the fullness of, like positive mental health and therapy, you know? Right. Especially when it comes to art. So yeah, like make your dark, you know, film and your, you know, uh, again, I, I hear, you know, people complain it's like nihilistic or whatever. Yeah. It's like, I understand that you could be like, it's harsh, but I don't know that that's a dismissive point against mm -hmm. it, you know? Oh, I ain't like, Bo is afraid. Well, he didn't have good mental health all through the film. Okay. And yeah, I just, I don't like that. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? No, I just didn't like Bo. Okay. Yeah. It's like a different, um, it's like a different wrapping on the positivity movement, right? Where you just have to be positive. Everything yeah. has to be positive. Toxic positivity. Exactly. There you go. Toxic positivity. Yeah. Okay. Uh, then I saw somebody say another semantic argument, but somebody, well, the people who would come out and say like, oh, I liked it would inevitably say, oh, it's not perfect. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be like, when was that the standard? Yeah. When was the standard perfection? Right. Especially on something that's trying to do something like different. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be like if, if perfect isn't a good standard to put on any film, it definitely is not a word that I would use in relation to any film that was like trying something with the medium. It's not going to be perfect by nature. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. um, so that's another thing that, that annoyed me. <laughs> well, um, also there's, there's no such thing as perfect. Yeah. You know, in, in these types of, unless you're talking about like a math equation, you know, perfect doesn't really exist. 
Yeah, and and I think the the reaction that I had against <clears throat> like that in particular is this film is clearly trying something. Mm. Then to respond to it by offering a cliche, well, it's not perfect. It's like that is how you respond to that film. Mm-hmm. You just throw a cliche at it that doesn't mean anything. Do I? If I go back on anyone who said that, are they going to start every review of every film with, now that was perfect. <laughs> now this this was not perfect. No, uh-huh. they're not. They they pulled that cliche out for this movie. And that I think I find frustrating because I'm like, the film is trying to do something more interesting than than a cliche. Don't mm-hmm. respond with a cli- you know, with a cliche. Feels like, yeah, dismissive. Or like, yeah, who 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 is that comment for? Like, who are you trying to like absolve yourself before? Hey guys, I'm not saying it's perfect. Like, what court are you uh is is watching you? Right. Um unpleasant, nihilistic, lack of humanity. Um, that was specifically from I don't listen to this podcast. I listened to it a few years ago. You bounced off of it way before I did. And it's definitely emblematic of a time in my life where I too thought that you could condense the world into an explainable like bullet point list. Mm-hmm. And so I would listen to the Slate Culture Gab Fest. Mm-hmm. And then I remember you listened for a little bit. I remember one time being like, oh, did you hear it? And you're like, no, I stopped listening. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then I pushed on a little bit and then it finally like clicked. I under- I finally had a broader understanding to see what they were filling, you know, the, the, the niche and how that wasn't a niche that I was interested in. Mm-hmm. So again, not a lot on the podcast realm. I pun- punched in Bo's afraid, but they were talking about it. I was like, oh, let me listen to that. Of course, the the same guy is on there. Really? Yeah. Still doing it. Still still doing it. all the yeah, and he comes out he's like I, his family. I hated it. I despised it. There's no humanity there. Uh-huh. Yeah, and exact and I just want to be like <laughs> like what a what an outlandish charge that doesn't even make any sense. Like yeah. define humanity, sir. You know, right. you watched that film made by a human and you said zero humanity there. Yeah. Nihilistic. I was I was made to feel uncomfortable or whatever else. I just have no time for the uh hi hat. Yeah. What about this? How about this? Here's a new rule. New rule, right? Bill Maher style. Yeah. Um if you're a movie if you're a critic if you're any sort of published critic, right, you have to, before you, let's say, watch a movie, before you go watch the movie, you have to also write something that says, this, this, these are my expectations for the movie. This is what yeah. I expect to get out of it. So then I can compare and be like, oh, well, you just had no idea what you were about to watch. Yeah, yeah. And you're you're just not capable of. I mean, not 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 capable, but you just weren't. You're not there. Yeah. It's not for you. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah exactly. Or like, um, <clears throat> I I listened to somebody say they were talking about a a album review, and they were 
they didn't like it because it made them feel bad and they thought the album would make them feel happy. <laughs> and that, that was like word for word what they said. And I remember being like, what? What are you talking? <laughs> yeah. You didn't like it because it made you sad. Did you think that maybe that was the point? And maybe you right. shouldn't have gone in being like, well, this will make me happy. Right. So exactly. What are, what are your expectations? And then, so that was it. The, the only other one that I saw that I wrote down was, um, crap, no, I forgot. This is one specific review. Oh, yeah. I don't have mommy issues or anxiety, so it didn't have a lot to offer me. <laughs> Again, it's just like, you don't have to go through. I like that review. <laughs> <laughs> I can't shoot webs out of my hands, so Spider-Man didn't really right. uh, have much to offer me. So... What I think of the film. Right. So with all of that being said. Listen. Hamburger. It's not perfect. Toilets. Justin, it's not perfect. Okay. I want everyone to hear me. I'm not Answer saying the it's question. perfect. Answer the question. I don't want to get all the hate mail. Maybe that's the way it is, right? Critics are exposed to the public in a way that I'm not. So you, yeah. you are constantly absolving yourself to this faceless entity that's going to jump on you for whatever you say. So maybe I'll, I'll give the person a break who says... It's not perfect. Um, it is perfect. Okay. <laughs> what? So I think number one, the biggest thing for me is what you said, the expectations. Mm -hmm. I went in and my expectations were not what this movie is. And that was so exciting for me mm -hmm. to watch the movie continually subvert my expectations. The second thing that I look for in movies like this is craft. How much effort have they put into this film? Can I like tangibly feel it and sense it? Mm -hmm. A good example of that is Men by Alex Garland. I think Men, the sound design on that film is like phenomenal. The look of the film for me, some of the shots and compositions are gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And so as the film goes wherever it wants to go there's a part of me that can relax and know this person has put a lot of thought and effort into this thing this is not something that has been like i don't know let's try this you know mm -hmm. this has truly been like really thought through by somebody who has earned my trust so why not just give them my trust you know and this film is made so amazingly so well the craft of it is impeccable lord have mercy i'm about to bust exactly <laughs> next it's funny it's legitimately <laughs> funny and the theater of like 30 people laughed all the way through all really two hours and 50 minutes every punchline landed in this film even up to the very end Okay. And again, I think that that's something else that I didn't expect is how, <laughs> how funny it is. Yeah. So I, I really want to see this with you. Part of me wants, again, those expectations are one of the things that kept me connected. Um, do you want me to talk more in depth about it? Do you want to? talk more in depth after you watch or do you want me to walk through 
some deeper thoughts and specifics about the film. Yeah, go for it. Are you sure? I, I can't imagine I'm going to see it this week or next week. Next, not even next week? Maybe. We can't, we can't sneak away a little play hooky? Okay, I'll, I'll try and watch it before we record again. Um, okay, is that good enough for you? When it gets done, it'll be good enough for me. Okie dokie. But it's it's basically... Suck my white ass! <laughs> it's basically inside this character's head. Uh-huh. And you see the world from his anxiety-ridden perspective. Mm-hmm. So the world he lives in is just a pure, like, satirical version of urban life. There's a dead body just rotting openly in the streets. There are people who are just like buying guns on the side of the road as he's like walking home. Mm -hmm. Um, People who are, there are two people who are in a constant fight with one man gouging another man's eyes out, but he's doing it Morning, afternoon, and night. Mm -hmm. Anytime this guy's in a scene, he's fighting this other guy and gouging his eyes out. You know? (laughs) Okay. And the actions of the film are absurdist. Where things happen and you don't know why it's happening happening necessarily, Mm -hmm. but you know you're in the perspective of Bo. Right. Ultimately. So at some point, someone steals his keys and his luggage. Did somebody really steal his keys or luggage? Or is he so paranoid about this trip mm-hmm. that he hid them or convinced himself that they, they were stolen or set it up to be stolen in a way that didn't seem to be portrayed in the film? Maybe, right? Mm-hmm. But the end result is... His feeling is somebody robbed me. I'm exposed. I'm vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And that is the, that's the point, you know? So I'm sorry. Do, were you saying that you, you're going to see it and then we'll I'll, talk about I'll more? I'll see it. So I'll, you, so I, I'll try and see it and we'll talk about it. Okay. We'll actually talk about it next week. <laughs> okay. So this will be the, the preamble to the actual... I'm glad because I talked a lot. So we we can leave it with the what's wrong with the critical reception today and the kids these days on the YouTubes. God, forgive me. I found our movie wager. Okay. Um, the, from this year? Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll pause on Bo is Afraid. That's, that's the end. Mm-hmm. Part two next time. Mm-hmm. For now, ending, do you want to? Revisit the movie wager. We each picked three films. Mm-hmm. Now, on the thing, I put summer movie wager. Some of our movies come out in November. And one of them okay. doesn't have a release date. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so this what? is not, this is just a straight up movie wager. All right. And the idea was if we can pick Three films that will have a higher 
box office and critical reception as based on Metacritic. And we're going to average them and then come out with a score Mm -hmm. and see who, who wins. But you couldn't remember if you wrote down the, the three movies, right? Yes. So I bring this up too, because the first of the movies is coming out the earliest. Oh, maybe it's in Google drive somewhere. The earliest is July. Okay. So my number one movie was Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning 1. Right. My second movie was The Killer by David Fincher. And my third one was Killers of the Flower Moon by Scorsese, which was rumored to come in at almost four hours. Right. And then got cut down. Um, Your first movie is Oppenheimer. Your oh second, boy, I don't feel good about that. Is Dune Part Two, uh huh, and your third was Ferrari. I think it. I think Mission Impossible is pretty far and away the easy winner, right? Well, so we're taking the average of three. Somehow, your like my three, I think, go down, but yours somehow. I think you just picked a flat line. <laughs> Oppenheimer, Dune Part 2, yeah. and Ferrari. I don't think there's a curve in any uh-huh. direction. I think that is just a dead heartbeat <laughs> straight through. Yeah, it could be. So the other thing that we didn't do is we didn't put what we're going to win. Uh huh. But now that we look at that. Uh, I'm conceding, conceding. I'm conceding the win, and the, the prize is that I'm going to go watch Bo is Afraid. Yeah. <laughs> I knew I wasted just my luck. You would see a clear win, and I win nothing, <laughs> as opposed to a fair and square win. Yep. All right. Well, you got some work to do now, friend. DonaldJTrump.com. I love you. I love, I love, I love being, I love being your tile coach. Struggled on that one a little bit. Bye bye, bye bye, bye bye, bye bye, bye bye.